You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're having straightforward, honest conversations about marriage and sex and how sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but hopefully it's happening because what we want to have happen in in the Sexy Marriage Nation is for people to recognize that married sex is the hotbed for sex. And the way we know that is uh, the Sexy Marriage Nation lets us know. They call and they leave voicemails at 214-702-9565 or they email feedback at sexymarriageradio.com or they jump on iTunes and they share a review and a comment or they spread the word in other ways, which that's part of what i'll be honest that's part of what makes the sexy marriage nation the sexiest group of people around but also just because they're into their marriage and and that's what we want to have happen and so as always um we love hearing from you and as always on our thursday shows i get to be joined by someone else that's rocking the marriage world and spreading a good vibe trying to uh, make marriages better and sex better which leads me straight into the guest that we have today, which is Sheila Gregoire, that we've known each other for uh, five minutes, as far as officially. <laughs> yes. But we've known, I- I'm assuming, I mean, I've known of you for a while. Yeah, it has been. And so. Definitely, a couple of years, definitely. Yeah, because we are we kind of have crossed paths before in the sense of the blogging world, uh, and email world, and different major things that other people are probably trying to do. I see your name a bit. And so just so the sexy imagination knows who you are, would just introduce yourself to everybody so that they can kind of idea, have an idea of where we might be going. Yeah. So I blog almost every day at Till of Honor and Vacuum, which started off as a parenting blog. And then I started talking about sex and then my traffic like went, mm-hmm. went huge. I mean, who knew people wanted to talk about sex, right? So <laughs> so, that, so that's kind of become my thing now. Um, and I've written a whole bunch of books about sex, including The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. I speak all around North America. My husband and I travel around in an RV and we talk about sex. So yeah, it's quite the weird life. Well, uh, speaking as someone who does a lot of similar things, in, including <laughs> the traveling around in an RV, um, that it's kindred spirits <laughs> in the sense of who knew um, a little podcast that started like Sexy Marriage Radio would become what it has become today, just because we talk about sex. Yep. And so well, people just need people need a good place to hear about it. They really, yeah. really do, and that's yeah. that's part of why. Um, I've sought you out for this show is because I wanted um, to have an opportunity because you, you bring in the dynamic of specifically targeting wives with a lot of the books you've written, mm-hmm. but, but specifically targeting the good girl wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, 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 unpack that real quick, because I'm assuming most of my audience in the sexy imagination understands what that means, but there could be some going, what? I have no mm-hmm. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of being tongue in cheek, because yep. when I say the good girl's guide to great sex, I don't mean someone who's always been perfect and who's done everything right or anything like that. I just mean someone who has decided that they want to put their marriage first. They want to do um, sex the way God meant it, which is really, really hot, but in the marriage bedroom. <laughs> right. And that's what makes you good. It's not what you've done in the past. It's what you're deciding to do today. Okay. And, and how you feel about 
yeah, just about what God has planned. And, and I think that's really the main point. <laughs> okay. So, so what is it that makes it uh, such a hurdle um, for some couples and even in some regards, some wives to tap into what that could be and what, what it can really mean? I think we've bought into a real lie about sex in that we see sex as something which is primarily a physical thing. Okay. And that's the way that it's framed in our culture, right? Because yep. when you when you take sex outside of a committed marriage relationship, all you really have is the physical. And it makes sex kind of really cheap and gross, you know? <laughs> and, and like, especially if you're a girl, I was talking to my daughter this morning, she's 20 now, and we were talking about how when she was 14, um, she was beginning to serve on the praise team at our church. And she got the message that she really needed to watch what skirts she wore because she wouldn't want to cause any of the older men to stumble, you know? And right. it's like, oh my goodness. There's, right. And so then she's all freaked out thinking, you mean there's old gross guys looking at my legs? Like that's disgusting. <laughs> and, and so so we, we, we get these really gross messages about sex right. and we see it as this really physical drive thing, which it is, but that's not the whole story. Right. There's so much and, more. Yeah. And I think people are missing out on what, what really does make it great. Okay. Which would be what? That's you teed well, that I one think, right up. Okay, so <laughs> I got to tell you this story first, all right? So I'm 13 years old, and I'm sitting in the pews in church, and uh, this was way back before the NIV was really popular, which makes me sound old, because I guess I am. And uh, so the, the pastor was reading from the King James Version of the Bible, and he read that, that verse in Genesis, which says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and they conceived unto them a son. And so all my friends and I just started laughing uncontrollably, because that's really funny, because right. like God is embarrassed of right. the real word or something, you know? But as I got older and I looked into it, it's actually kind of cool because that word to know mm -hmm. in Genesis is the Hebrew word howda, which is the same word that David uses in the Psalms when he says, search me and know me, yep. oh God. So it's like this deep knowing of two people being completely and utterly intimate. So it's not only physical. And I think the reason that God used the word to know to talk about sex is to tell us that sex is also like, it's this deep emotional and spiritual intimacy where yeah. you really truly know each other in a way that, that you can't any other way. Right. And that's, so I've had a recent guest, uh, Chuck McNee is a researcher. Oh, yeah. He's who I got that from. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was just on yeah. an episode uh, right before this one. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and that's what the whole conversation was, is the eroticness of uh, the meanings of the words that go interchangeably with sex and spirituality in a lot of Yeah, regards. it's really cool. It yeah, really, and I really know is. a lot of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So you're, yes, he is. So you're, you're, you're touching on some of the same kind of concepts that in married sex, there's so much more going on than just an act. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of cool too, when I did my surveys for the good girl's guide to great sex, I, I asked about 2000 women, all kinds of questions about their sex life. And do you know what the best years for sex and marriage are? Like the years where women are most likely to reach orgasm, the years that women rate their sex life the best, do you know how many years you've been married? For I, that don't, to happen? I don't even want to venture a guess. So tell me. <laughs> You're 16 to 24. Okay. So 16 to 24, those are the golden years. I'm at 26 years right now, so I'm getting a little bit worried. But, you know, 16 uh -oh. to 24. It's all downhill from here now, Sheila. <laughs> I think it's something with menopause.
laws or whatever. But so far, anyway, we won't go into that. But <laughs> but 16 to 24, good. And we get this idea that like the honeymoon years are the best. Right. And not. No, 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 not They're even close. Totally not. Right. Yeah, because I think that, that what makes sex really great, especially for women, is um, vulnerability. Like yep. the ability to totally let everything go yep. the, the ability to be completely out of control and um, to not have your guard up you know you have to be able to tell them what you like and that's really hard because a lot of women don't even know what they like Plus, exactly which means i got to venture into some things that maybe i haven't explored or even spent much time but, worrying or yeah. thinking about yeah and so it, it often takes a while plus you know the early years of marriage you got kids there's up late and you're sleeping you know you're not sleeping when the babies are there right and so right but once once you're sleeping through the night, once <laughs> once you've been with this person for a decade and a half, that's when things start to work. And we get this idea in our society that the people having the best sex are the people on the magazine covers. No. And they're not. No. Yeah, it's that it, well, it's it's hollow, just an act. It's it's all for show, it's all a portrayal or a persona of something that's not deep. Which yeah. if you've tasted any kind of meaningful encounters in sex, my experience is there's there's a lot of depth to that because it's it's yeah. a knowing each other. Mm -hmm. It's not just mm -hmm. an act. Then it's a I experience somebody else's essence or their presence, and they and they mine. Exactly. Yeah, but it takes a while to get there, and I think yes. I think that's and that's what I'm usually dealing with on my blog is the people that are leading up to those 16 years, and they're saying, okay, what's all the fuss about? <laughs> because, <laughs> Just because married sex is better sex does not mean that everyone who's married is having great sex. Good point. That's true. Because sometimes it can be a major source of frustration and it can mm -hmm. be a major source of just tension because mm -hmm. the way you're going about it isn't, isn't conducive to creating it. Right. Exactly. And I mean, that was certainly the point for me. Like we had, it was really difficult for us the first few years. And I think that's probably why I talk about it now, because if it had been easy, I'd have nothing to say. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't talk about things that are easy. You tend to talk about things you've had to wrestle through and figure out. Right. Because we, because of what the, the act of discovery in that process, mm -hmm. because I think mm -hmm. if, if, if your experience bears true to what I think it probably does, then mm -hmm. what you found is as people wrestle with this component of their life, I actually discover myself more. Exactly. I, I discover a whole new experience that's not just married sex. It's actually a, mm -hmm. a, an experience of myself in a relationship with someone else who's also discovering themselves. Right. Because exactly. it's not just a female-only struggle, even though society doesn't necessarily portray it as mm -hmm. such. There is an element of us men that are like, yeah, there's parts of me I don't understand and I don't get. And so it's easier just to try to just have sex for the sex sake and then move on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that, yeah, we each do have unique challenges. I think the challenge that men have is exactly what you just said, is that men need to understand their deep need for intimacy, right? for real intimacy. I think what women need to understand is that we do have a deep need for sexual connection, even if we don't feel it physically as much as okay. men do. And now that, and, and, and let me do a huge caveat here. <laughs> they know that in 30% of marriages, the woman has the higher sex drive. And so right. I just want to acknowledge that right now. Right. And if you are with the higher sex drive, I feel you. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but I think the challenge for a lot of women is understanding that you can still have great sex, even if you don't feel like you're in the mood right now. Okay. And that's a hard one for us because like if you watch any movie, any TV show, whatever it is, there's a common plot when it comes to sex. 
it's always portrayed the same way, right? Like, so the couple is panting. Yeah. And then they kiss. And then the clothes come off and they end up in bed. So that's the sequence, right? You right. pant and kiss and then the clothes bed. Pant, kiss, clothes bed. So there you are at home and you're a woman and you're waiting to pant. <laughs> okay. And nothing's happening. <laughs> so you figure that you're just not in the mood, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what we don't realize is that that's not the way it often happens. Right. Like, there, there's this great researcher named Rosemary Abbott. And she did this huge study on sexual arousal in women. And what she found was that for the majority of women, they were not actually aroused. Like they weren't even in the mood, so to speak, until after they started. And right. they'd you know, been kissing, touching for a while. Right. And I think a lot of women think, well, I'm not in the mood. So if I start, it's like I'm lying. Right. Right. It's, it, feels, you know? it feels fake and disingenuous. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and I don't want to do that, but it's not faking. Okay. <laughs> like, like it's not the same as faking. If you right. start, you know, if you start kissing him, you start touching him. And at the same time, your brain is giving your body positive messages. Then chances are your body will kick in, right. you know, and, and that's what we need to do. We need to start telling, like getting our brain engaged. Cause I think a lot of women are waiting for our bodies to do something. And we need to start telling our bodies what to do because okay. our sex drive is almost entirely here. So, you know, if you go, look, right. I've had a hard day. Right. I deserve to feel amazing. I love my husband. We are going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And right. if that's what you tell yourself, it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that's the, that's the theme I'm kind of, I've been coming across lately with some of the different guests that have been on. And even some of the stuff I've been reading and talking to with people of that for a lot of times for a wife, the mind has to start the start the ball rolling mm -hmm. because there mm -hmm. is this misnomer that I have no libido because I don't have a right. biological tingling in my right. body saying I'm I got it. I'm leaning towards horny right now yeah. you know no yeah. it's it's this whole I think most of the time a wife was designed to be responsive mm -hmm. more than than actually aggressive mm -hmm. although it can absolutely happen either way but there's an yeah. element of how does she recognize what I can get out of this what I can seek for it in my own knowing my body can come along with it I mean, we've mm -hmm. at Sexy Marriage Radio, we've always used the framework of higher desire and lower desire yeah. when, when you're talking about the dynamics between partners. Mm -hmm. One of the ladies at the getaway this past year came up to me. She said, that helped tremendously. But what helped me most, even more, was I termed, I changed the term lower desire to slower desire. Oh, that's really good. And I'm like, yeah. that's spot on because she's yeah. like, I have a desire. It's just, I know myself now later into this process, it's slower. And as long mm -hmm. as he understands that, it changes the whole framework for us to where we both mm -hmm. can have a little more of a buy-in and not, we're not trying to rush this thing. We recognize the dynamic better and get the most out of it. And I think that rushing thing is really important because I think the other problem that often happens in marriage is that we take his sexual experience um, or his, his the way that he does sex, so to speak, to mm -hmm. be um, the goal. Yeah. And so she has to somehow reach this goal. So right. if he if he easily orgasms with intercourse and without foreplay, then if she needs foreplay, there's something wrong with her right. because intercourse is supposed to do the whole thing. Or if he only takes four minutes, then she needs to really hurry up and speed up. Right. You know? Not going to happen. <laughs> because she's supposed to reach what he is. And I think, you know, the way we were designed, it's like, 
we need to think about each other. And mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, you know, the more that the guy can concentrate on her pleasure rather than his own, the longer he can go and the better she's going to feel. And then the more intimate they're going to feel and all of that. But I think for a lot of women, there's a lot of pressure because they think they're broken because they don't act in sex the same way that their husbands do. Right. They don't, there, there must be something wrong with the dynamic. And yeah. it's almost like, cause you made the comment of, so if a woman's body doesn't necessarily trigger an interest right off the bat, the mind could lead the charge. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't, I'm almost thinking a husband's is reverse that yeah. his body could be leading the charge, but his mind has got to get engaged to make sure she's engaged too. And it's not just a body only leading the process through. Exactly. And I think that's what we, that's why we're made differently mm-hmm. is because it makes us think about the other person and it makes us, it, it makes us, um, yeah, really be far more giving and, and, and not just looking at what do I want at this particular minute, but what is actually best for us. Okay. And, yeah, and I think that the message that a lot of women get too about sex is really sex negative. Like, um, you know, he needs it every 72 hours and the more you make love to him, the happier he's going to be. And this will make a great marriage if you prioritize sex. And it's like, that might be true, but there's nothing sexy about that, that message. Right. right. Like, that's just, that's just saying, service. That's just, yeah, that's it's just, like, you know, yeah go get your teeth cleaned or something like that's just, it's, you know, it's like, like it's, it's treating sex like it's something so terrible. And I think a far better message to, to tell people um, is that it was created for both of us. Right. She needs it too, in all kinds of ways. And right. let's start, let's start emphasizing that. Cause I think in a lot of marriages where there is a higher desire spouse who's, who's male, you know, what they want is for my wife to understand how much I need it. But that message actually tends to make things worse. Yes. I think if we could instead talk about, you know, don't like if, if God made something this great, let's not miss out on it. Right. Let, let's figure out how to make this awesome. Right. That's where I get into the mindset of when I term sex under a need, it's not, <laughs> it, it's oftentimes not the best in me leading that charge to try to get it. I get, right. I get desperate and I get yeah. really, really more manipulative than I normally am. And, and I get vindictive and I get yeah. a lot of things, which that's not inviting. That's not that, that that then becomes, OK, I need to give this up just to get you calm again. And yeah, and yeah, I'm sorry if I can't handle myself better mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that's on me. That's not a, that's not my partner's responsibility. Right. Exactly. It's, exactly. Okay. So I like the framework of how do we, how do we kind of level set this to turn it into wants for each of us? Mm-hmm. That there's a design and intent for both parties when it comes to husband and wife with sex. That Yeah. That and it, hey, it makes you sleep better. <laughs> <laughs> and it relieves stress reasons. and anxiety. Yeah. Yes. And and one of the big reasons that women aren't in the mood is because they're exhausted. And what I've found, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't count the number of times where I said no, because I was too exhausted, especially when the kids were little. And then I had this, this revelation one night where I made love anyway, and I slept so deeply. And, it's like, and so then from then on, it's like, when I'm tired, it's like, come put me to sleep, baby. Like, <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> I don't need Ambien. I need you. Yeah, because <laughs> it really, it really does work, and and there there are a lot of benefits that I think we forget about. 
Okay, so what do we say, because I'd be interested in your take, because this is what I run into a lot from the Sexy Marriage Nation in the sense that um, one partner is the one that's listening, and they're the one that's engaged, and they're the one interested in, in how do I combat this issue and make it all that can be, you know, and, and most of the time, uh, just because of the consistency of the shows we do, uh, I repeatedly hear the whole, I came here trying to find things to fix my spouse and discovered I needed to fix myself, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but what do you, what is your thought with the times where you come across the couple where one is interested in this area of their life and trying to make it all that it could possibly be, and the other is ambivalent at best mm-hmm. <laughs> on trying, if not even flat out, uh-uh, I don't want to be any part of that. It's bad enough that I have to just be, participate to the minimum degree I do already. Right. Yeah. And of course, it depends. There's so many different issues why someone could sure. be a lower desire spouse. Sure. I do want to speak up for, we had an interesting conversation on the blog this week from women who sex has just always felt lousy, Okay, you know, and if it's always felt lousy, no wonder she doesn't want to have sex. Exactly. And so guys, listen to me here. Okay. (laughs) You know, figure out what the clitoris is and where it is and do something with it. Like, you know, or just like you, you, it's your responsibility to make sure that she feels good. And That's hard because I know a lot of women do have genuine problems reaching orgasm. There's all kinds of reasons why you could have a block. Um, But, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a woman once and she was just saying how it didn't feel very good for her. And, you know, she just, she found that she was never in the mood and I was giving her all these tips on how to get more in the mood and how to think more positively about it. And then it came down to the fact that intercourse only ever lasted two minutes and she didn't know that that was weird. Right. Because she had nothing to compare it to. And so she didn't know that there was such a thing called premature ejaculation, right? So right. it's like, yeah. Right. Okay. It's gonna no leave, wonder you don't feel Yeah, good. it's going to leave yeah. you fairly empty feeling. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so I just, I think that if a woman has never felt good, then make it a really fun research project to do together. Okay. And there's tremendous and, resources out there. I mean, I know some of your books yeah. are, are pretty I mean, the thing I've always loved about what I, what I read and follow of you is you're straightforward, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, we'll talk about it and it needs to be <laughs> talked about. But then there's also, I mean, in the archives of Sexy Marriage Radio, just not too long ago, Dr. Lori Mintz was on and she has a book called Becoming Clitorate. And it's mm-hmm. all about the clitorate, the clitoris yeah. and, and how you become better at understanding its importance and its role. And I mean, so there's tons and tons of resources that are really effective and helpful Yeah. with this. And, and we just got to, we just got to avail ourselves of them. Yeah. And again, I know for a lot of women, there is that block where you feel like you've tried everything and you just haven't reached there yet. And I just want to encourage you to keep going <laughs> right. because sometimes we just haven't given enough time. And I think what, what often goes on in women's heads when they're trying to get there is, you know, oh, this feels good, but he must be getting tired and it's taking too long. And what's wrong with me? And as soon as those negative things come in, it's not going to work. It's a so disconnect. You need to, yep. Need to learn how to just let go and 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 believe him when he says that he wants to do this for you. And there's nothing wrong with you. So that's a, that's that's one big issue I think is there's a reason a lot of women have lower desire. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I think another one is just. <sighs> It's so cliche to say, 
but we do need to work on our relationship outside the bedroom. And yes. the more that you can work on your friendship, I know um, for a lot of women too, it because our sex drives are so much in our brains, we need to be able to think in order to have a good time. Like we need to be able to concentrate. That's why the headache thing is real. Right. Okay. Like right. for guys, it's not real. You can have sex when you have a headache. Hey, it might take your mind off the headache, but for women, it impedes your ability to concentrate. That's why it doesn't work. And if a woman is trying to have sex while in her brain, she is thinking, I don't remember if there's milk in the fridge. Yep. What if we can't have cereal in the morning? Yep. What if we have bread for toast? I got to go grocery shopping tomorrow. When am I going to fit you know, I need yep. to remember to call the dentist. Like the more stuff she has going on in her brain, the less sex is going to work. And so <laughs> one thing my husband, my husband calls them um, pinballs, like that I have all these pinballs in my head. And mm-hmm. so what we do now is we take a walk after dinner to get rid of my pinballs. Like he says, okay, just, just dump all your pinballs. Okay. On me, you know? <laughs> okay. If I can, if I can speak them all out, then that's good. But I'm an external processor. I need to speak them out. Right. It may be internal processor and she just needs to have a bath yeah you know yeah and that's well that's where i think of it is this is the language of foreplay even though you wouldn't necessarily put it under foreplay exactly because you're create foreplay to me is i'm creating an environment i'm creating a place that creates a better likelihood it's not necessarily that we're we're being erotic and touching each other it's that i'm creating space for that energy to be born and and grow and, and rage which, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a couple just last night uh, from the time we we're recording this that she's like, the key to this is we need to cuddle. And he's like, mm-hmm. cuddle's not foreplay to me. And I'm like, it doesn't matter that it's not to you. She's saying <laughs> that's a key. What's the problem? You're sitting here complaining and what? Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. just seeing it as, and I've heard that several times from people of, yeah, yeah but she says this or he says this and it's like, I don't believe him. It's like, cause it doesn't make well, sense to me yeah. <laughs> exactly rather than seeing it as hold on. What, why don't I at least t- attempt it and see? And I think maybe this is where we get back to that 16 to 24 year mark, because mm-hmm. as we're further into it, it's almost like, you know what? I know myself better in this relationship. It's less precarious. It's less unknown. I'm less naive about myself and my partner. I'm willing to test and push those boundaries a little bit and go, you know what? We never tried this, but all right, let's see. Yeah, exactly. But when we're young, we still have that, oh no, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what I was told and this is what I believed all along. So I can't, I got to hold on to that because that's a huge part of my identity. Yeah. And you just can't let go and letting go is so important, especially (laughs) for women, that ability to just let go, you know, and and I I do want to pick up on one other thing about talking and that's, when you need to have those hard conversations about sex, like about frequency, about what it means to us, that is a difficult conversation, right? right? That, that's right. going to be a tense conversation. And what I have found is that if you stop talking about the little things in marriage, you lose the ability to talk about the big things. Okay. So if you have big things to talk about, make sure you're just chatting and laughing throughout the day. Like, you know, like really feed the relationship because sometimes the big things become so big that we forget to just be friends right. and go for walks and hold hands. The more you do that, the more you're able to tackle the big things. Okay. But if the big things are all you got, it won't work. That's a great point because I think it's it's important to keep in mind that we do life together and sex is a part of that. But there's still a whole lot of other things we do together. Raising kids, running a house, doing jobs, bringing in money, paying bills, dealing mm-hmm. with housework, all that kind of stuff. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong. 
I think you can interweave sexuality through all of that. And it can be an undercurrent of how we maintain a connection so we can then talk about, like you're talking about, the big things. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sheila, I have to say thank you for joining me and to the, and the Sexy Marriage Nation. Tell people how they can find you. Yes, find me at lovehonorandvacuum.com. And if you click on books, I have a great challenge called 31 Days to Great Sex. Very inexpensive. But if you've been struggling with desire differences, this can really help. Perfect. And it's fun. Anything yeah. else that before we kind of close this whole thing out that the world needs to know? I also have a Boost Your Libido course for women. Super cool. Okay. And, uh, Good. Yes. You can check that out under courses at lovehonorandvacuum.com as well. well. Sheila, thank you very much. Uh, to, the, to the Sexy Merge Nation, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.